Hello, and a very warm welcome to Take the Mic with me, Ketna Tanner. This is a podcast that welcomes you to share your story. Taking the mic with me today is one of my dearest friends, Sarah. I have known Sarah for many years and, more recently, have seen her deal with clinical depression and anxiety. Whilst public attitudes towards mental health are improving, there is still a lot of work to be done to alleviate the discrimination faced by people with mental illnesses. Part of this work is talking about it, sharing experiences to develop understanding and awareness and to continue breaking the taboo and stereotypes that exist. And that is what we're hoping to do today as Sarah shares her experience with us. Sarah, a very warm welcome to Take the Mic. Thank you so much for that great introduction, Kets. I'm really honoured that you asked me to be on the podcast and I'm really excited, albeit a little bit nervous, to be here. As you very rightly said, public attitudes towards mental health are improving. However, I think there is still a lot of work that needs to be done. One in four people will be affected by a mental health disorder at some point in their life. So I hope that by sharing my experience, we can work to chip away at some of the taboos that still exist, especially as it's affecting even more people through this pandemic. Yes, really good point. And we have seen the data. It is affecting a lot more people through this pandemic. So before we get stuck in, I just want to say at the outset that we are not medical professionals and nothing in this episode should be taken as medical advice. It is strictly the experience of one individual. Thanks for that disclaimer, Kets. I think it's very important for people to know that I'm just sharing my personal experience of depression and anxiety. And as everyone's experience is very individual, what I'm saying should not be interpreted as medical advice. So to start off with, Sarah, what are the symptoms of clinical depression that you experienced? Clinical depression is also known as major depressive disorder, or MDD, and it's characterized by a number of key features. Having a depressed mood, having a lack of interest in activities normally enjoyed. It can cause changes in weight or changes in sleep, fatigue, feelings of worthlessness and guilt, difficulty concentrating, and sometimes even thoughts of death and suicide. And typically, clinical depression is different from depression caused by a loss, for example, the death of a loved one. And the symptoms of clinical depression tend to last longer than a two-week period. Okay, so they're all quite distinct. What about anxiety? Anxiety is um, a feeling of unease, such as worry or fear, and it can be mild or severe. I think everyone can feel anxious at some point in their life. For example, if they're sitting an exam or they have a job interview coming up. However, anxiety becomes a disorder when you start to feel anxious about a wide range of situations and issues rather than one specific event. And it can lead to symptoms such as feeling restless or worried, having trouble concentrating or sleeping, and dizziness or heart palpitations. And did you feel these symptoms one at a time? Or did they ever overlap where you had a combination of symptoms at the same time? I think the symptoms can kind of be full blown and you can have all of them at once um, as well. So there were definitely times where I felt low and lethargic and then also felt restless and worried at the same time. And it was very hard to kind of battle with both both of those feelings and those those thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I can't say I know what it feels like because I haven't been in your shoes. 
but from what you have shared with me previously, I have seen just how difficult it can be sometimes battling symptoms that are, by nature, on quite opposite ends of the spectrum, isn't it? When did you first start experiencing these feelings of anxiety? I first um, started experiencing anxiety during my first year of university. But to be honest with you, I didn't even realise it was anxiety at the time. I didn't actually realise I suffered from anxiety until quite later on, after I was diagnosed with clinical depression. But actually, when I look back, I remember I used to get this irrational fear that something would happen to my parents when they used to drive from London to visit me at university. Scenarios would pop up in my head, like they might have a car crash and die, and it would be my fault because they were coming to visit me. And this sometimes used to lead to heart palpitations and a lot of restlessness. And what did you do at the time with these feelings and thoughts? Well, to be honest, at that time, I didn't really have much awareness about mental health disorders or anxiety. So I just used to try and suppress my feelings without really understanding the root of where they were coming from. And actually, that was pretty unhealthy. Can you share a little bit about how you did that and what form that took? Probably not in a very healthy way. I mean, I used to just tell myself that the thoughts were stupid and distract myself from thinking about them too much. I now realise that it wasn't good for me to speak to myself in such a negative light. That is really such great self-awareness. So what do you do now when the feelings of anxiety come? I mean, do you even still feel anxious? Yeah, I mean, I still do feel anxious at times. I'm a lot more aware that I'm feeling anxious and then I know what to do about it. So I practice mindfulness, I try to take deep breaths, I try to think about why I'm feeling anxious about a situation and try to rationalize the feelings in my head rather than suppressing them. And as part of this process of unraveling your feelings, did you talk to anyone about it at the time? No, I actually didn't realize what it was and the anxious feelings used to come and go. So at that point, I didn't really think it was a problem. But also, I just wasn't aware of anyone else who felt similar way to me. I didn't really know much about mental health. I hadn't really interacted with many people who had experienced mental health problems or had experienced anxiety. And so I didn't really have anyone that I could go to who could relate to how I was feeling, that I could talk it through. You know, I would say that what you've just shared is not uncommon. I know a few people who weren't really aware of mental illnesses or what it felt like to be in poor mental health until they experienced it themselves. So thank you for being so honest about it. I think there will be people who are in your shoes listening to this. So I know eventually you did consult a doctor. Uh, Could you take us through that time and what led you to consult a doctor? So yeah, it was in my final year and final term of university that I started to experience these symptoms. To be honest, it was really strange. I had finished my exams, I had a dream graduate job lined up for myself, and I had this whole summer holiday plan traveling with my best friends. But a big part of me was feeling really low, lethargic, and I had a lack of interest in any of these exciting things that I had lined up. To be honest, I didn't have any obvious life circumstances that I could attribute to these depressed feelings, and that frustrated me even more. It was a vicious cycle. I kept mentally telling myself off for feeling low, as I thought I was being ungrateful. And actually, that was making me feel even more low. I used to burst into tears for no obvious reason, and I just wasn't enjoying life. So after I graduated, I moved back home and I spoke to my parents. And we agreed that it was important that I sought professional help. So why this time? 
I mean, you mentioned previously when you had these feelings, you suppressed them. What made you talk to your parents about it this time? Previously, the feelings used to come and go and it was more anxiety and it wasn't this kind of extreme feeling of depression. But this time I kind of knew that there was something seriously wrong. Like as a young 21 year old, I wasn't, I didn't have any energy to like take part in normal life day to day activities. Um, I was constantly wanting to sleep. I was constantly crying. I just felt numb. I didn't feel like a normal 21 year old should. And I knew that that was kind of why I definitely needed some professional help. Yeah. So they were more persistent this time. And what was your parents' reaction when you told them what you were feeling? So to be honest, they were really sad to hear that I was feeling this way. And the first thing that they said was, you know, I needed to seek professional help, that there was no questions about it. They didn't have any worries in their mind about what other people would think or whether there were any taboos in society. They just wanted me to get the best help possible as quickly as possible. And They really tried their hardest to educate themselves too, which I really appreciated. They used to attend group discussions. They went online and looked at loads of different forums. They got self-help books. They just tried their hardest to educate themselves so that they could know what they should be doing to support me in the best way possible. I want to pause you here for just a second because here is an example of a South Asian family where the taboo just didn't exist. The question of what people would think just didn't arise and I think that is brilliant. And yes, culturally it may have been and still is hidden and difficult within certain South Asian families to talk about mental health, but this just goes to show that that taboo can be broken away from. And I know your parents and they are just so caring and such wonderful people and I love that they educated themselves because that is something that we can all do and can do so easily doesn't matter if this is new territory within our families so after talking to mum and dad what did you do so I went to my GP who then referred me on to a psychiatrist and it was during that initial consultation with the psychiatrist that he diagnosed me with clinical depression and recommended that I start taking some medication to help me with these feelings What was your first reaction when you were diagnosed with clinical depression? Relief, to be honest, although a little scared. It made me realise that what I'd been feeling is more common than I thought and that I actually wasn't alone in this. The doctor also realised that as depression runs in my family genetics, what I was feeling was due to a chemical imbalance in my body and therefore I didn't need to feel guilty for feeling this way. I used to always compare myself to others who were worse off than me and tell myself my feelings were not justified. So this really helped with those thoughts. It did make me feel a little bit scared though, as the doctor said this will be with me for life and I will always have ups and downs. I will just need to learn how to manage them with a mixture of medication and therapy. Did you find that hard to accept? That it would be with you for life and you needed to learn how to manage it? I think initially I did and I think... There were also people around me who were saying, don't worry, you're going to overcome this. You know, you'll get through it and you'll be fine at the other end. And it seemed like it was a temporary thing that was happening in my life. And that once I'm done and overcome it, it'll be over and I won't have these feelings again. And it took a good couple of years of ups and downs and the constant ups and downs to actually realize that, no, this isn't something you're going to overcome. It's something that you have to learn to live with and take each day as it comes, accept that there will be ups and downs and accept that this is part of you. 
Yeah, as you said, it's not something you can just overcome. So what were some of the symptoms you were facing at this time? I just didn't want to wake up and face the day. I had extremely low energy and felt very lethargic. There were days where I literally spent the entire day in bed, just getting up to go to the toilet or to grab something to eat. Life's daily activities felt like a huge chore and the future just seemed so bleak. I had nothing to look forward to and I had nothing to want to live for. To be honest, I actually felt very suicidal and my head used to convince me that my family and friends were better off if I was dead. I think that was the scariest part for me. I used to manage to so strongly convince myself that life was not worth living and that was really scary. It was just this constant feeling of hopelessness and despair. I can't even begin to imagine how you must have felt, but I'm just in awe of how you've just shared that with us. Thank you for being so open and so honest. How did you deal with these feelings? To be honest, I wasn't really dealing with them very well. I was spending most of my time in bed. I was crying constantly. I didn't really know how best to deal with these feelings that were just kind of coming into me in these huge waves. And I just couldn't really cope with them. So I really, really struggled in the beginning. And did the medication help? The medication actually initially made me feel really, really sleepy and tired. And so I used to just sleep away the days. And the sleep would be a a really good way to avoid those feelings because I would go into like a dream dreamland where I wouldn't have all of these negative thoughts kind of crushing me but it definitely wasn't a solution because I wasn't actually living life at all so with medication it's it's really difficult it takes a long time to work with a psychiatrist to get the right combination of medication that suits you and I went through a lot of trial and error in the beginning, trying out various drugs, which had lots of different side effects on my body until we figured out actually what suits me and what helps me with my mood. That's a really good insight, Sarah, that, you know, even with medication, it can be a bit of trial and error, as you say. But these symptoms of clinical depression you were facing, how do they compare to the anxiety? I actually didn't feel as much anxiety at the height of my depression. My depressive feelings were so overwhelming that I felt a bit checked out from life. And therefore, I didn't even have the energy to worry or feel anxious about things. But when I was over the peak of my depression and actually forcing myself to get up, go to work and get on with the day-to-day activities, then the anxiety would creep back in. So it sounds like it was a bit of a seesaw. If the symptoms of clinical depression reduced, the anxiety would go up. And if the anxiety was under control, then the symptoms of clinical depression would resurface. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. You're right. So for me, depression and anxiety were on two sides of a weighing scale. If the depression was weighing me down severely, I didn't have the energy to feel anxious. And then just as the weight of the depression started to reduce, anxiety and worry would kick in in full force. Actually, a lot of the anxiety that I had turned into social anxiety. I would constantly be worrying about what others thought of me or whether I was forming a good impression. I really struggled with big group settings like work socials, for example. I've always been quiet or more of an introvert. 
And in large group settings, I tend to be more of a listener than an active participant. And what used to happen was I used to beat myself up for not speaking or contributing more. And then I would end up battling with these voices in my head rather than listening to the conversation that was actually happening in front of me. Um, And it just ended up being this ridiculous, vicious cycle. Yeah, I was going to say exactly that, like a vicious cycle. But your approach changed after some time and you started to really make way in not only coming to terms with this, but actually dealing with it in a really healthy way. Take us through that. Um, I guess it's because I'm a bit of a perfectionist. I mean, I've always been ambitious and I've had high expectations of what I want to achieve in life. And the depression didn't really fit into my life's plans and and ambitions. There were months on end where I didn't want to go to work, meet people or do anything. And it took me a lot of time to accept that this condition is part of me and to learn to be kinder to myself on bad days. But I now understand myself and my body and a lot more. So I know there will be ups and downs, but I'm also more aware of what coping mechanisms to use to help me get out of these downs faster. I try not to reflect too much on what's happened in the past, and I've tried to become a lot more forward thinking. I think about the things that I can control in the present and try to implement small changes on a daily basis to help me cope with my feelings. So since then, has your journey been on this upward trail all the time or do you still get difficult days? Yeah I mean I definitely think in my journey it's been a matter of one step forward two steps back. I mean I've had days where I've been feeling really really good and I'm like oh I can do this, Um, I can conquer the world, I'm feeling so positive and then something will come and something really small and it will trigger me. And I will just come crashing down and feel really down and depressed and then kick myself because I was doing so well and feel so guilty that, oh, why have I suddenly got all of these really negative feelings inside me when I was when I was feeling so positive and on an upward trajectory. So it's been definitely it's definitely been hard juggling all of these feelings. And sometimes I I feel like I'm running at 100 miles an hour with trying to cope. But then I need to take a step back, think about what I'm trying to do, think about what what I really want to achieve, slow down, prioritize my life a little bit better. And then that helps me get, get a bit back on track. You mentioned earlier that you have coping mechanisms that really help. Do you mind sharing some of these with us? Yeah, so over the years, I've realized what works best for me is routine and structure. I actually ended up taking some time off between jobs with a view that I could use that period to focus on my mental health. And that was a big, big mistake for me. Why do you say it was a mistake? I realized that if I don't have purpose or a routine, I can really easily fall into the trap of lying in bed all day, losing all energy and then ending up feeling low and hopeless. At the moment, I think my mental health is actually better than ever. Touch wood. You never know what can happen. But I boil that down to consistency. I go for an hour's brisk walk without fail every day. I try to exercise four times a week. I've always actually hated exercise, but it's only in the last few months that I've discovered what a positive effect it can have on how I'm feeling. Yeah, I can't believe this is the same Sarah speaking when a few years ago, the word workout was probably not even in your vocabulary. But it's so nice to see that you found a release through it now. Yeah, and to be honest, I wouldn't say I've learned to enjoy it, that I still have to force myself to do it. But someone once told me that you need to think about systems over feelings. 
Like, even if you're feeling down or, you know, didn't have a good day, that doesn't stop you from brushing your teeth at night. You still brush your teeth every morning and every night because it's a system you have in place, regardless of your feelings. So that's the attitude that I've tried to take with exercise. I've tried to make it a system that I know is really important for my health and well-being, regardless of how I'm feeling. Um, and then I just force myself to get on with it. And actually, the positive endorphins that get released afterwards and the rush of adrenaline, I feel that, okay, I actually did that intense workout and I burnt 400 calories and it was good for me, um, is really, really worth it in the end. Systems over feelings. I really like that. I can't say that I've heard of that before, but I'm definitely going to take a leaf out of your book with that one for sure. So what else helps? What also helps is that I'm making a really big conscious effort to eat healthier. I used to have this habit of binging on junk food if I was feeling low and emotional eating. And again, that really used to make me feel worse about myself. So all of these habits have really helped me stay consistent and manage the down days, which I still do get, but it just kind of takes the edge off the down and helps me get through it a little bit faster. I also have therapy once a week, which is a really safe space that allows me to reflect on what's happened in the past week, talk about any kind of troubles or feelings that I'm having, and work through them um, with someone in a really effective manner. And being consistent with therapy has really helped me over the years. I know from being involved in your journey that following your therapy sessions, you get homework sometimes. But generally, how do you feel post-therapy? I mean, there is quite a bit of processing to do after each session, I imagine. Sometimes, yeah. If you ask any members of my family who are with me after a therapy session, they might sometimes say that I'm a bit difficult to talk to because I'm up in my own head. There's a lot of feelings that I have to process after a very deep therapy session. And sometimes I just get caught up in those thoughts and I find it hard to then be expressive with the people around me. Um, so it takes a while to come down from a, from a deep and intense therapy session. But I, I definitely think that, that they're very useful in unlocking traumas that have occurred in the past and working through them and trying to identify ways of coping better. And how do you keep up with your routine? You know, it's really hard to always stay consistent with routine. And again, I've learned to become kinder to myself if I am slipping, but also try not to slip for too long. It's really, really easy once you've fallen out of a habit to then just discontinue and stop. So if I haven't gone for my walk for one of the days or I haven't done my workout, I'll really try and nip that in the bud and get back on the routine as quickly as possible. But also, I mean, I'm, I'm human. So there's a lot of the time I don't want to stick to routine and I just want to do something completely different to let myself loose or kind of release my inhibitions. I'm not much of a dancer, but I actually love having a good old boogie in my living room to let off some steam sometimes. And that actually really helps me clear my head. I'm so glad you shared that with us because yes, you have your go-tos that help and tick the productivity box in terms of what is good for your mental health. But who says you can't have a little dance just because it makes you happy? That goes a long way as well. And, you know, it's, it's great to hear that. And actually, I start my mornings with a little jiggle whilst brushing my teeth as well. And it weirdly somehow just puts me in a good mood going into my day, especially during lockdown and COVID. Speaking of, how has COVID impacted your depression and anxiety? 
actually, in some ways, it's been a bit of a blessing in disguise. So it's been great for my social anxiety, as we haven't been able to have any large gatherings. And in all honesty, I really enjoy working from home. I feel like I have a much better routine due to not having to commute to the office. I get a full eight hours of sleep every night. Not going to lie, sometimes even more. (laughs) and I make it a point to go for my lunchtime walk every day and to be honest when I was in the office I used to always end up eating at my desk during lunchtime while working so I'm already forming much healthier habits I also feel like I can actually better organize the day because I'm at home I'm able to get boring things like the laundry done whilst I'm working and cook much healthier lunches rather than eating out for lunch every day and The lack of commute means I have time to work out in the evenings and cook a healthy dinner. Pre-COVID, by the time I used to come home from work, it would be around 7.45 or 8 p.m. And then I would have to worry about dinner, let alone get in time to fit in a workout. That's really good to hear. But what about some of the challenges? It has caused me a lot of anxiety. I mean, I worry about the health of my parents, my grandparents, my close friends and family. But I also keep reminding myself that this anxiety is completely justified, given that we are in a global pandemic. And I use my coping mechanisms to help stop the worry from taking over my life. So looking back to the start, did you have any reservations about mental health yourself? I mean, was there a taboo in your own mind? Honestly, I don't think I had really thought about it much until my own experience. I do have some extended family members who suffer from mental health problems. So I was aware of the different conditions, but I hadn't really given it much more thought. Have you personally experienced mental health being a taboo subject that you can't talk about? Um, I've always been transparent with my family and friends about my mental health, but I actually felt reluctant to disclose it at work. Why not at work? I didn't want to be treated any differently in the workplace because of it, and I was scared that my seniors wouldn't understand. Actually, I ended up having to take a month off work a few years ago because my mental health was in a bad place. And as a result, I had to share what I was going through with my boss and a few others in my team. And I was really positively surprised by how understanding and accommodating they were. But I did feel like I was treated slightly differently after they knew. Could you share an example of that with us? Sure. So, for example, I I went for a promotion that year. And I had put in a lot of hard work to demonstrate that I was working above my current grade. But my line manager suggested that I shouldn't pressurize myself into taking on like a more taxing role for the sake of my mental health. And he said that it would be better for me to just coast for the rest of the year. And that really disappointed me because although it was meant with good intentions, I felt like I was being slightly discriminated against. Wow, he actually used the word coast. Yeah, he used to say things like, you've done too many hours, just take the day off and go shopping and just get through the year, taking it a bit more easy, just relax. But honestly, I really felt like I deserved the promotion. I had really worked very hard and I wanted to go for it. You thought his intentions were good, but was it what was best for you? Well, from my experience in the workplace, I think that once my manager found out about my depression, he tried to overcompensate for not knowing about it before and for the long hours that I used to work. And this is obviously a very natural response, but I think it's important to highlight it's not what's needed. I just wanted to be treated the same and be thought of as any other employee setting their own boundaries and making their own decisions. So in an ideal world, what would have been the response that you would have wanted or that would have helped you? I think 
him acknowledging um, what I'm going through and saying that he's going to be there as a pillar of support whenever I need would have been enough. Him saying that if I say I need to work less hours on this project or it's affecting my mental health and then him coming up with strategies with me to help me cope with the work better would, would have been ideal. Okay, a very, very simple message. From your experience, what are some of the don'ts for people supporting friends and family or anyone they know who is dealing with anxiety or has clinical depression? Um, I think there are a couple of things that actually really frustrated me that friends and family members used to say with good intentions, which I think should be avoided. Um, The first is saying, look at the positive. You have so much going for you in life and comparing your life to other people who are suffering from like extreme hardships. I've learned over the years that everyone's mental health is unique and everyone's feelings are justified. So comparing someone's circumstances to others doesn't really help and it actually tends to dismiss their feelings. The second thing that used to frustrate me is people saying, you'll get out of this and beat it or you'll overcome it. And I've learned that my depression is with me for life. It's not something that I can completely get out of and get rid of. It's something that I need to learn to manage. There will be up days and down days and I need to use my coping mechanisms to make those down days less severe or to get out of the darkness faster. And the other point that I wanted to mention is that sometimes people try and relate to the person and they say, oh, I know what you're going through. I can totally understand how you're feeling. Honestly, unless you've suffered from clinical depression, you don't really know what the extreme feelings of hopelessness and despair can be like. It's very different from just feeling a little bit depressed because someone has passed away or you've lost a job or a specific traumatic event has happened in your life that's affecting you for a short period of time. Thank you, Sarah. Those are some really good insights and actually some that can be quite often overlooked. How about what people can do to help? I think what people can do is just let the person who is suffering know that they're there for them as a pillar of support whenever they need. Letting them know you care and are there to listen and accept them without judging them is huge. And I think the other thing is to stay in touch with them regularly, even if the person who's depressed tries to isolate themselves. There were so many times where when I was feeling extremely low, I just wanted to shut everyone out of my life. And that's actually when I really understood who my true friends were, because there were some friends who would still message me and check in on me day in, day out, even if I didn't really want to talk to them or didn't really respond to them, was blunt blunt with my replies, didn't really attend their parties or their gatherings. They understood and they still showed me that they were there for me. And that was really important. It's a lot simpler than we think, isn't it? Such a small thing to do, to just check in with the people you care about that are going through this. And it can go such a long way, as you said. So, Sara, what are some of your thoughts that you would like to share with anyone listening who does suffer from clinical depression and or anxiety? I think the advice that I would give anyone suffering um, is that firstly, know that you're not alone. Um, There are a lot of other people who feel the same way you do. And actually reaching out to people who through forums who've gone through similar feelings um, actually makes a big difference. I've ended up making a few friends through these different groups and societies that I'm part of related to mental health. And 
those are really unique friends because they can completely relate to how you're feeling and they're the friends that I ring up when I'm when I've got really really anxious thoughts or I'm thinking something so stupid that I feel like no one else will be able to relate to and understand I give them a call and they they reassure me that what I'm feeling isn't completely stupid and I'm not on my own and they're just really great as an anchor um, of support and I think also the other thing is to know that even through your darkest days better days will come there's always going to be some light at the end of the tunnel you just have to keep persevering and start making small changes in your life that will help you get through these darker days faster. Very well said. Now, I see you and I see love, kind-heartedness, compassion and respect. And these are qualities that I have admired in you since I met you. How have you managed to still hold on to your true self going through this? Thanks, Kets. That's really, really sweet. But believe me, I've had days where I've lashed out to my loved ones and really not been kind or compassionate. But what I try to do is take each day as it comes and remind myself never to give up. I try not to beat myself too much about the bad days, accept them for what they are and move on and hope for better days to come. And I'm honestly really lucky to have an amazing support network of family and friends that have helped me through life's journey. And is there anything that you have learned about yourself? I've, I've learned that I'm, I'm more resilient than I ever thought I was and that I never give up. Even in my darkest days, I've picked myself up, learned from it and got stronger. And I continue to surprise myself with the way that I handle what life throws at me. Sarah, that is beautiful. And I really hope that you continue to surprise yourself with just how strong you are. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us and most importantly, for being so open and honest. Thank you. It's been great to be on the podcast too. Thanks for having me. 